Explain WWE Extreme Rules in 30 seconds. No problem. So I can hit. I'm thinking. Crash! Ah! I'm searching for the wood. And then you got the... Has it been 30 seconds yet? WWE Extreme Rules. There is no explanation and there are no rules. Today's episode of the two-man power trip of wrestling is dedicated fully to the memory of the legendary and one and only American Dream, Dusty Rhodes. But anyway, I know you, I got to go and you guys got to go, but uh, you don't want to miss this thing, man. We need the money. We need the wall. We need the history. We need the memories. And uh, Joe's trying to make that happen, and we all want to pitch in and make that happen, as you guys have here. So I'm very, very excited about it and being able to talk to you, and you spread the word on it. Well, Dusty, it's been our absolute pleasure and our dream come true, and we didn't even get a chance to talk about all the great moments, including, and how can we forget, your epic turn on WCW to join the NWO, but that'll be a different talk for a different day. That was not epic. That was a bullshit thing I did in one night just for the hell of it. That wasn't even epic. That wasn't even a turn. I mean, come on. I wanted just to prove that night that I was just sat back there with his mouth open and the people nearly had a riot when I turned. On Larry Zabisco, of all people. Holy Christ. Let's do your Hall of Fame speech again. Let's go for 90 minutes about Bruno at the swimming pool and you in the hedges. Um, anyway, I appreciate it. And like I say, the 11th this week, you got to be there. It's a special moment for the building, for us, and for the history of, of what it meant to Florida. And hopefully the kids can understand a little bit more about the way I feel about it, and obviously you guys and history of our business. So thank you very, very much, guys. Talk to you thank later. You, Anytime Dusty. you want to call me about something else, next time just bring money. It'll be different. Obviously, I'm doing this as well, but no. <laughs> it sounds good. Thank you, kids. American Dream He's just a common man What's up, guys? It's the phenomenal AJ Styles. You're listening to the two-man power trip. Oh, my God. This is Joey Styles, and you're listening to the two-man power trip podcast. This is Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. This is Cody Rhodes, the prince of pro wrestling, and you are listening to two-man power trip. This is Jimmy Vine, the Boogie Woogie Man. Tell my people my brothers and sisters, don't you dare miss John and Chad. Hey, everybody out there. This is the franchise Shane Douglas. Remember me? <laughs> well, guys, it's great to be on the show again i appreciate you asking me back so you said you were going to pinch yourself i didn't know it was that kind of show now i mean if you guys are in the privacy of your own home if you want to do these things good how you doing chad hey johnny cool man what's going on we're ready to go or what uh, hey man what's up guys this is homicide oh that's my homie homicide with a big homie club yeah that would be it hey this is david penzer and this is the two-man power trip of wrestling 
Well, thank you, thank you. Hear me, fear me. I don't do many wrestling shows anymore, probably because I'm a bit ignorant. You guys probably know ten times more than I do. Look, Mean Gene, I can't be beat. I'm the greatest of all time. And I would say that. And every kid, I, they knew they could kick the out of me. Great talking to you guys. It's been your pleasure. <laughs> They've worked in and around the wrestling business. They've studied thousands of hours of wrestling. And now, they bring to you the greatest legends, Hall of Famers, creative minds, and both current and future stars of pro wrestling. They are Primetime Pod and Chad, the two-man power trip of wrestling. in terrible condition here at the moment. Count of one, count of two, but it's Rhodes. No, no, it's Rhodes with his feet on the ropes. Apparently Rhodes thought he was victorious. No, sir, it will not happen that way. Although that one is the way that Superstar Graham allegedly won the championship from Super Bruno Sammartino. Both lying flat out on the canvas and both bleeding profusely. Count of two, and it's... Is that, the, that was the three count. That was the three count. Open the elbow down again. But it was Graham who pinned if you can call it that, Dusty Rhodes. Ladies and gentlemen, the time, 10 minutes, 12 seconds. The winner with a pinfall and still the worldwide wrestling federation heavyweight champion superstar, Billy Graham. Graham victorious and certainly a controversial matter. We shall return in a moment. This is the two-man power trip of wrestling brought to you today and powered by the WWE Network. Head on over to wwenetwork.com slash TMPT and start your one-month free trial of the WWE Network. And on Sunday, July 15th, catch Extreme Rules, streaming exclusively on the WWE Network as the WWE goes extreme one more time and the rules are all off-limits as Extreme Rules comes to you on July the 15th from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and it's all going down on the WWE Network. So take advantage of that one-month free trial right now and stream Extreme Rules on July the 15th. And if you didn't know by now, my name is Chad. And as always, I'm joined by my tag team partner here on the two-man power trip, the one and only John Paz. And John, it's a very special show yet again as for the third year, we pay tribute to the one and only American Dream Dusty Rhodes, who has given us the opportunity to podcast and do these amazing interviews that we bring each and every week on the two-man power trip. But this one could be the most special that we have. Not only will we be joined by superstar Billy Graham, but we will also be joined by Nikita Koloff. And John, before I welcome you in, I want to welcome in our special guest here for our introduction to this Dusty Rhodes tribute show 
He is the co-host of the Ouch, You're On My Hair podcast. He's a good friend of ours. He is the one and only Randy Helms. Randy, thanks so much for making your two-man power trip of wrestling long-awaited debut. Well, it's about time. I mean, you know, this show needed a little up-class. No, I'm just kidding. No, it's uh, great to be on here, guys. I mean, uh, like you said, uh, we are good friends uh, in and outside of the business, as they say. So thank you guys for having me on. Uh, it's our pleasure, Randy. We've talked about having you on for so long, and, and this was always the show that we wanted to have you on because you have a lot of cool connections to Dusty Rhodes that we're going to get to in just a minute here. And Randy has had quite the career, uh, not just in professional wrestling, but also with his uh, very brave and very uh, unparalleled military service. So we're very happy to have Randy on to share his interactions with Dusty on this show, uh, which is always bittersweet. And John, as I welcome you in here now, I mean, the best part is the guests that we get to talk about Dusty Rhodes, and we get to really just cover one topic with these guests. And in the past, we've had on Magnum TA, and we also had on Tully Blanchard. But now with this one, I mean, we really took it, you know, as we said, extreme rules here to the extreme, as we have quite possibly Dusty's greatest opponent in superstar Billy Graham, as well as maybe one of his top five opponents in Nikita Koloff, as well as one of his greatest uh, partners as well. So, John, this is a great episode here to relive the uh, now third annual Dusty Rhodes tribute show here on the two-man power trip. Yeah, pretty amazing guests that we have on. Obviously, Randy, but uh, superstar Billy Graham and Nikita Koloff is just unbelievable. And it is always a bittersweet thing for me because you look back and you're, you know, I can't believe we interviewed Dusty. So excited to interview Dusty. Even off air, our, our few phone calls together was just so exciting to get to talk to him. And that was just the part where it's like, man, hope this is just part one of many interviews. And obviously, he passed only a few short days later. So the kind of, you know, kind of, didn't work out the way I wanted it to, but it is great to kind of look back and celebrate his life and celebrate his career. And got to thank Kevin Dunn and the WWE for lending us a clip, as they always do. Obviously, they now have that last interview that we had with him, but they always lend us a clip. Clip, and it's always very easy and very smooth talking to him and talking to Chris over at WWE. So it's very, very uh, smooth ride, smooth sailing as far as that. But as far as Dusty himself. Love the fact that Nikita was on, not only talking about wrestling Dusty, but teaming with Dusty and all the great moments that they had together. And obviously, superstar Billy Graham, one of the absolute greatest of all time, gets to talk about his favorite opponent and quite possibly Dusty's best opponent. So, I mean, that is such a cool dynamic and such a great thing. Talk about the epic feud in Florida. Talk about their epic feud in the WWF. So it was just an absolute blast to get to talk to Superstar. And anytime you know, this tribute show comes up, it's always like, who are we going to talk to? Obviously, the first one was Magnum. Had to talk to Magnum TA, one of Dusty's best friends. And last year, Tully Blanchard, arguably one of Dusty's biggest and best opponents, probably had the most matches against Dusty. And then this year, obviously, Nikita and Superstar. So it's pretty huge. And of course, Chad, of course, Randy Helms. Us. <laughs> yeah, I mean, again, Randy Helms, you know, it's very poignant for us. And as long as we've known Randy, we've always heard the stories of what Randy, when you work for the WWE, and you can get into that here in a minute and just kind of cover, 
you know, what you did, but your interactions with Dusty and some of the stories you've told us over the last few years, it's always been fun to tell because, you know, we got to meet Dusty Rhodes in person. We got to see him in person, but we never worked with him from a professional standpoint. And the fact that you had to have those intera interactions with him in a professional setting, I'm sure as a kid growing up where you were a big Dusty Rhodes fan, it was kind of surreal for you. But Randy, kind of give us the background on how you came into contact with Dusty uh, and some of those memories that you have of the big dust as well. Yeah, so when I retired out of the military in 2012, after doing my 20, uh, WWE hired me, and I actually was the executive assistant to uh, Triple H up in Stanford, Connecticut, and so couldn't ask for you know a better job right out of the army, going straight to work for them because you know WWE is a, loves the military, they're big into the military, so it was really really cool. There's several veterans that actually work at the building, and and getting to you know meet. Um, Hunter, you know, what I mean, you couldn't ask for a nicer guy. Uh, I mean, inside the office, he was just wonderful. And, and some of the things I was able to do, because this was back in 2012. So this is when the performance center had not actually come about yet. It was still in the process of they were talking about getting it and they hadn't even signed the contract for the building yet. But they did have the stuff that was going on down in Florida, down in Tampa. Um, it hadn't moved up to Orlando yet. And so Steve Kern was still kind of running the show down there. But Dusty was one of the big guys down there as far as helping to train the talent. And uh, Bill DeMott was, you know, coming in and out at that time. So my first interaction with Dusty um, was a couple weeks after I had been working for uh, WWE. And I was told uh, by one of the guys that worked in the office with me, Pete, um, he said, hey, you need to set up a, a conference call with the guys down in Florida and us up here in Stanford and set it up for like, you know, whatever it was next Wednesday or whatever. Um, here's the telephone line, get all this set up. So, you know, that Wednesday comes up, I go in a conference room, you know, and there's a couple guys already up in there. Um, and I get on the, the speaker phone and I dial down to Florida, you know, I dial or dial into the number, the conference line, conference bridge. And I'm like, Hey, this is Randy up in Stanford. Uh, who do I have on the line? And the first person to say hello was Bill DeMott. And he's like, hey, it's Bill. And I'm like, hey, Bill, uh, how you doing? Uh, okay, nice to meet you, you know, blah, blah, blah. And then all of a sudden I hear this voice, and it sounds like the guy's in the bathroom. And it's like, oh, no, he's not. And I'm like, I'm sorry, this is Randy. Who, who, Who is this? And he goes, this American Dream, Dusty Rose. That's who this is. Who's this? And I was like. Oh, this is Randy. I'm sorry, Dream. I, I didn't catch the uh, the voice. I didn't know who it was. You better know who I am because, see, I'm the American Dream, Dusty Rhodes. I am a three-time NWA heavyweight champion and a Hall of Famer. And so, of course, the guys <laughs> in the room would start cracking up laughing. You know, and here I am. I'm only a couple of weeks working there, so I'm not really, you know, laughing or anything because, you know, I don't want to make anybody mad. Well, they start edging Dusty on. They're like, three-time champ, uh, who did you beat? What do you mean, who would I beat? I beat Holly Wraith. I beat Ric Flair. Who'd you beat? You know, and they're they're giving they're giving him a really, you know riveting back and forth about it, and so that became kind of a standard thing. Whenever Dusty, I would call down to Florida, or he would call up to the office for whatever reason, and he'd get on the phone, you know, and and uh, WWE, this is Randy, can I help you? Hey, Randy, it's um this is Big Dust down here in Florida. I'd be like, who? Oh, don't start that stuff now. You know who I am? The American <laughs> Dream, Dusty Rhodes. So you know. It became this this running thing between the two of us. And so, 
really, really cool to talk to him. I mean, just awesome to, you know, talk to him on the phone. And then I eventually I got to meet him. So, and that's a different story. And did he give you the bionic elbow when you met or what happened there? Was he pissed at you or what? I'm not going to tell you. You tell everybody. Um, no, I'm just, <laughs> that's a uh, famous dusty interview actually, uh, with wonderful Willie where he said that I don't tell you, you tell everybody, but, uh, no, he didn't give any elbow. What happened was, um, speaking of, you know, the, uh, performance center, I got the opportunity to fly down with, uh, Hunter, uh, right after Thanksgiving in 2012, I believe it was. And we went down there or 2013 may've been one either way. Uh, no, yeah. 2012. So we, uh, we flew down to Orlando for the, for the, uh, tapings for NXT. And we actually went over to the building that is now the performance center. And he signed the contract that day. And so when we got over to uh, Full Sail University and, you know, you go to the production meeting and and I knew the, you know, walk around and introduce myself to, you know, the guys there. I mean, I'd spoke to several of them on the phone numerous times. First chance to actually meet him. So I introduced myself and Dusty came in a little bit late. So I didn't get the opportunity to walk up to him because um, the meeting had already started. So when the meeting was over, he was walking outside. And so I walked up to him and I was like, excuse me, Dusty. I said, Randy. Oh, hey, Randy, it's very good to meet you. You know, I've been wanting to uh, put the face to the name and, and the name to the voice and all that stuff. And I was like, well, actually, I said, Dusty, if I'm going to be honest with you, we've actually met before. He's like, we did. When did we meet? I said, oh, my gosh, it was like 1971, 1972. I was about three years old. <laughs> and I said, and I met you at a TV taping. Yeah. I said, yeah, it was right over there off of Dale Mabry or wherever the old Florida station was. He's like... Yeah, I, 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 tell me about it. And I was like, well, I said I was a little kid, and I said I was a huge Dusty Rhodes fan. I said, and I had a white T-shirt that my parents had made for me. I said, and on the front of it had a had a you know a, a star, and it had a uh, cowboy boot, and it said, I love the American dream. Yeah, yeah, I, I remember that. I was like, <laughs> I was like really? He's like, yeah, yeah. I remember about that time. I say that all of a sudden. Triple H starts walking by. He's like, Hunter, Hunter, come here for a minute. Come here for a minute. And so he walks over, you know, uh, hey, Dream, what's up? He's like, Randy, tell him about your first wrestling shirt. And Hunter's like, your first wrestling shirt. I said, you remember I told you that I had gone to a TV tape? And he goes, yeah, I remember you talking about something like that. I said, yeah, so I was telling Dusty that I had met him at TV taping. Tell him, tell him about your shirt. Tell him what it said. I said, all right, it had a cowboy hat on it and a star and a cowboy boot. And, and tell him what it said. Tell him what it said. I said, and it said, Dusty Rhodes is a big, fat guy. That ain't what you said it said. I ain't got time for you. And he turned around and he walks off. So at the end, at the end of the night, as we're getting ready to leave, I walk up to him and uh, I'm like, hey, Dream. Uh, again, it was really nice to finally, you know, meet you. And he's like, yeah, you too. And he, he's shaking my hand and he pulls me real close. And he starts looking around like he's about to break kayfabe. And he, he whispers in my ear and he says, just to let you know, I really don't remember you. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> but yeah, it was, uh, it was really cool. You know, I meant to uh, actually get the opportunity to, to talk with him and to meet him. I mean, you know, and I was only with WWE for 16 months. So, you know, those are my two big stories with Dusty. Um, there's guys, you know, that I've talked to in the business that, you know, obviously were around him a whole lot longer, 
I mean, Dallas Page is just, you know, anything you can get from Dallas Page on Dusty is gold. Um, same with Bill DeMott. I mean, he and I have actually just uh, – the last time I was with you guys up in uh, Philly, I sat and, and Bill DeMott and I were talking about Dream. So just wonderful guy, man. I mean, just deeply missed. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, again, like John said, it's bittersweet for us because – Whereas, you know, we did get the last interview. It's a great feather in the cap of the show, but at the, you know, obviously the cost of uh, him passing away, you know, not too soon after we, we had done the interview. And it opened up a lot of doors for us, as predicted by the dream. I mean, when you hear the clip at the top of the show, you hear, you know, he basically, he predicts the future. He doesn't know where he's going to be, but, you know, he doesn't know where we're going to be either. And, you know, he called us wrestling historians. I know that's something that, John, you, you always lay your, your hat on, that you love that he did that. And, you know, it, it's always, like you said, it's bittersweet, but it's great to recollect. And, John, before we get it into this this huge show, uh, final thoughts, if you can. Uh, Randy, I'm going to go to you next with John. Final thoughts on this episode here. Uh, paying tribute again to the dream, quite possibly um, one of the greatest of all time. It's always my favorite episode of the year just because we get that clip, you know, of him talking to us, obviously, from the interview. It just always brings up fond memories. And one of the few times I know we've done a million interviews with a, with a million top guys. It's one of the few times I legit popped and got myself super excited for an interview. And that's that's dusty for you. I mean, on the Mount Rushmore, just one of the greatest of all times. So you know, exciting to be able to say that we even had the chance to interview him, let alone, you know, the last interview we had. And then it's always special to get on Superstar and obviously Nikita Koloff and anybody we can get on talking about Dusty specifically, but the huge names that meant so much to Dusty's career and Dusty's past. That always means it means a lot to, to me and obviously to a lot to the show. And I just love that other people say, you know, you guys are just two marks. But, hey, uh, we say this. Dusty Rhodes called us wrestling historians, so you can call us Marks all you want. <laughs> Randy, same question to you. And please, also, before you uh, you throw it back to me, please give us the plug for your podcast, Outro on My Hair. But final thoughts and recollections here about the American Dream, Dusty Rhodes. Well, you know, like I said, I I just I grew up a, a, a Dusty fan. I mean, I was born in Florida, but and then we moved to Georgia later. And I remember it's just as an early kid. I mean, I still remember when he was a uh, was a heel, um, with you know, with Dirty Dick Murdoch, and so uh, hated him. And then all of a sudden, he became a face, and I loved him my entire childhood and growing up. And I, I will honestly say, I was in Colorado, uh, right outside of Denver, when he passed away. I was in a training class, and I had taken a break, and I got a text from my sister, and she's like, "Have you heard the news? Dusty died." And I held it in until I got out of the class and I was sitting in my, my rental car and I had some tears coming down my eyes because I felt like part of my childhood had just been kind of yanked away from me. But when I look back at it, that is the one wrestler out of all of them that I can sit there and quote promo after promo after promo and I can watch it over and over and over again on the internet and never get tired of it. I mean, that guy was just hands down he was the business of professional wrestling. I mean, if you want any, and I have always, you know, when I've talked to some of the guys on the indie scenes and stuff, I'll say, if you want to learn how to cut a promo or how to do a match, just go watch Dusty. That's all you got to do. I said, and watch how he works the crowd with everything he says and everything he does. And if anybody does want to follow our podcast, we, that'd be cool. Um, we're our, 
You can find us on Potomatic is our home, and it's Ouch, You're on My Hair, or Ouch, Y-O-M-H, um, on iTunes. We're on uh, on Google Play. We're on iHeartRadio. We're everywhere. Um, we're on Twitter at Ouch, Y-O-M-H. So, yeah, just follow us. We're we're basically an 80s to 90, about 1980 to about 1995 heavy metal, hair metal, glam, all that good stuff that you grew up listening to, throwing your horns up and all that good stuff. Love to have you come listen to our shows. Maybe we'll get you guys on one time to be a guest judge or play one of our games. I know you guys rock out. <laughs> what do you got in the monkeys department? And I'm uh, I'm there. Monkeys comeback mid 80s. What do we think? You do something with that? I could definitely do something with the monkeys, man. I've played some of them and uh, a couple songs in a former band of some monkeys. So <laughs> I can I can deal with you. Oh, there. There you go. You driving me. Uh, you driving me crazy. Get my hopes up for that. But hey, listen. Well, I'm not your stepping stone. <laughs> <laughs> Randy, take the last train to Clarksville out of here right now. But listen, we appreciate you finally getting the chance to come on with us. And uh, like I said, we, we it was no better platform for you to join us than this Dusty show, because uh, you know you, you do a great Dusty impression. We hear it all the time. Sometimes, <laughs> yeah, you do. <laughs> some, sometimes at five o'clock in the morning, you know, as you're uh, just sipping your first cup of coffee on a long ride to Philadelphia or. Or, uh, or the great state, the uh, the motherland of New Jersey, and uh, but yeah, we, Randy, really appreciate you coming on, and uh, this is a lot of fun. Hopefully, we will have you back. Maybe uh, maybe we won't have to wait all the way to the next Dusty tribute, but uh, definitely appreciate the time. And again, please watch Extreme Rules on July fifteenth on the WWE Network. They just announced this yesterday on on SmackDown. AJ Styles is going to be taking on Rusev for the WWE Championship, as well as Alexa Bliss versus Nia Jax for the Raw Women's Championship. And it's all going down on the WWE Network. And you can take advantage of our one-month free offer, which is wwenetwork.com slash TMPT. So join us and the WWE this month for Extreme Rules. And strap in, folks. This is going to be one hell of an episode here. As, John, you're going to hit us with a little bit of two-man power trip of wrestling business. And we're going to get this third annual Dusty Rhodes tribute show on the road. Because it's a great one, folks. So we will see you on the other side. And Dream, thank you for everything. Now for some TMPT business. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Two Man Power Trip and at Wrestling Pal. Please subscribe to us on YouTube. Also, subscribe to us on iTunes. Please leave us a review. We'd love to hear your feedback. Also, while on iTunes, check out the feed for prior legendary episodes featuring the living legend Bruno Sammartino, the late great American Dream Dusty Rhodes, the Enforcer Arn Anderson, Ray Mysterio Jr. Glenn Kane Jacobs, the phenomenal AJ Styles, lead WWE attorney Jerry McDivitt, and so many others. Also, while you're on the internet, check out ProWrestlingTees.com. Yes, that is ProWrestlingTees.com. They are your superstore for all your wrestling t-shirt needs. Check out our page. Check out Tito Santana, Coco Beware, Kevin Thorne, Magnum TA, and so many others. Also, while you're on the web, check out our website, tmptofwrestling.com. And for all you Android users, please hit us up on Google Play or Player FM. And all you iOS users, please check us out on TuneIn Radio, Automatic, Spotify, and now iHeartRadio. And now, without any further ado, a former two-time NWA Florida World Champion, a WWE Hall of Famer, class of 2004, and of course, a WWWF 
world heavyweight champion. You may know him as the superstar, but he is Billy Graham. Enjoy. Coming to us deep from the heart of Phoenix, Arizona. He is the man of the hour. He is too sweet to be sour. He is a former WWF World Heavyweight Champion, a WWE Hall of Famer from the class of 2004. He is the incomparable, the one and only superstar Billy Graham. Mr. Graham, thank you so much for joining us tonight. Hey, guys. Uh, thanks a lot for inviting me. Real, real pleasure. Uh, uh, really is, and uh, uh, always good to talk to guys from New Jersey. I, I really uh, very fond of New Jersey. Uh, used to wrestle down in um, Asbury Park. Uh, uh, occasionally go down to Asbury Park and and found that uh, right on the uh, ocean, uh, very uh, very refreshing down at Asbury Park, and. Uh, uh, of course, Bruce Springsteen, being from uh, uh, Jersey, uh, I met him in Charlotte, and um, I had a nice visit with him. He's a big, big fan, big wrestling fan, and uh, he, uh, being from Jersey, saw me, uh, of course, when I was uh, uh, working uh, in New York. So uh, I really, uh, I really enjoy uh, New Jersey. I had a real, I tell you, a quick. A thirty-second story I had a real spooky uh, encounter. <laughs> I was with my with my wife. We were driving through, going up, going up somewhere, and had to pull off and get gas somewhere in New Jersey. Uh, you guys know the town, uh, right across, right caddy corner, right across the street was Rawway Prison. Wrong, <laughs> 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 Rawway man. Oh my God, that's where. Uh, uh, Ruben Hurricane Carter was, you know, the big song by Dylan, the story of the hurricane, you know, uh, by Bob Dylan. And, uh, and man, uh, I swear to God, uh, taking a look at Rawway State Prison, barely a hundred, you know, hundred yards away. Oh, those old gray walls, stone walls. And, uh, it was pretty creepy. And, uh, 
so so that was that uh from from going from going from beautiful uh, Asbury Park down to the beach to Broadway <laughs> Street Broadway State Prison in New Jersey. Man. Hey, if I was gonna be at the Broadway State Prison, I'd want superstar Billy Graham watching my back. So that's the only saving grace for uh for being in Broadway, because that's no fun place to be. But superstar we are here to talk about our third annual Dusty Rhodes Tribute Show and to have somebody on like you who is so tied to the career of Dusty Rhodes and had so many absolutely amazing matches. I mean, there's so many to talk about. There's so many things that we can cover. But first, why don't you just share some general memories here of Dusty Rhodes here on the third year passing uh, anniversary of, of us, unfortunately, losing uh, the big dust. Yeah, I can't believe it. I'm just looking at was it... Uh... On the 11th, June 11th, uh, three years ago, uh, was uh, was the date the 11th that he passed? Yep, June, yes, yep. June 11th. Yeah, I can't believe it's been three years already. Uh, yeah, I really loved him uh, like a brother. Uh, I, I tell you, he, Dusty was a very complex person. Uh, uh, no question, a genius uh, in the business then. I'll never forget uh, my my first meeting of Dusty was in the AWA um, in '72, all the way back in 1972. He was, I went to I went to AWA in uh, October of '72, and Dusty was already there as a heel, uh, tag teaming with uh, Dirty Dick Murdoch, and so. Uh, uh, that's when I first met Dusty, and um, uh, we got along uh, immediately. Got along real, real good, real, real well. Had a lot of fun together. But um, uh, he just had so much uh, talent. Even, uh, even having to share it with uh, Dick Murdoch, um, you could tell that Dusty was the leader. Uh, and um, uh, so we didn't work. Because uh, we were both heels at the time, uh, against each other. Uh, but uh, it wasn't long, and Dusty actually left uh, left the AWA. Uh, uh, I don't know where he went, but he he left, and then and then uh, it it came time. I was getting over so strong that it it was time to turn me babyface. And so Vern Gagne, uh, being the uh, older promoter, of course, um, uh, yeah, we 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 did a deal with Baron von Rasky and his partner Horst Hoffman, and uh, they uh, they turned on me, and uh, uh, so I needed a uh, I needed a partner, you know, and uh, and uh, so we brought in uh, uh, brought in Dusty. Uh, Vergania brought Dusty in to be my my uh, surprise tag team partner against uh, Baron Raski and uh, Horse Hoppin. So uh, we became tag partners and uh, baby faces, uh, and it really uh, it really worked out well. Of course, Dusty being a natural baby face anyway, much better being a baby face than a heel. That we we had a lot of uh, tag matches in uh, AWA and uh, uh, had uh, tremendous uh, success, and then uh, uh, he 
uh, he left, left again. I guess he went to Florida. And I actually left because I got tired of the winters being so cold. You know, Minneapolis, you know, 50 below zero. And, and all the towns up there, you know, uh, North Dakota and Canada, Winnipeg. Anyway, I decided to leave and I went to Dallas. I moved to Dallas. And, uh, uh, so, uh, and, and then I went, uh, went over, went, went from Dallas to, uh, Los Angeles and, uh, Dusty by then was booking in Tampa in Florida. And so, uh, I thought, man, I'm going to give Florida a shot. And I called Dusty, uh, from LA and, uh, uh, and, uh, and he said, oh, my God, yeah, 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 come on in. I want to bring you in. And uh, so Dusty brought me in uh, around 74, 75. Uh, and um, uh, we did uh, great business. It was kind of funny because uh, then, uh, you know, uh, Eddie Graham still still was alive. And then, uh, you know, uh, Mike, Mike Graham and... Uh, Dusty's uh, Dust, Dusty's greatest uh, greatest wish, his greatest thrill was to uh, book a series of matches with me against Eddie Graham, and being a Graham brother and 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 Eddie Graham being extremely wise, uh, wise, 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 uh, finished man and. Uh, uh, just totally, totally intelligent uh, in the business. Uh, he said, "Well, what we're going to do is we're never going to tell the fans that we're actually brothers, and we're just kind of, kind of hint and skirt around the issue, but never confront it to keep the fans guessing." See, so, but, but Dusty, but Dusty was always chopping at the pits. To get to get to get me in the ring with after after my rub with Dusty that we 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 gotta we gotta get you and Eddie it's just a, it's a natural sellout all over the state every time we go through you you and Eddie will sell out he said we're sure this is Dusty talking we're sure an angle he said you 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 uh, get get Mike my my supposed nephew in the ring and uh, you know uh, do a number on uh, on Mike and. Uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, he'll, he'll get, uh, uh, get bloodied up and, uh, and that'll bring out the, uh, the rage of the father and, uh, and it'll all come to a head. And, uh, uh, so, uh, that was Dusty's dream. That was Dusty's dream match, even more than he and I, you know, uh, it, that, that came out of Dusty as his, as his ultimate uh, uh, match would be uh, Eddie Graham and I, but it uh, it never came to pass. Uh, it never happened. Uh, but uh, Dusty was just uh, was so over, you know, and we were pretty much natural uh, natural opponents, you know. Even though we we, we were both very extremely entertaining. Uh, you know, um, it, it was just—it was just a natural. It was so easy to uh, to work with Dusty, and uh, 
of course, uh, do promos with them and everything. So uh, uh, that was that was when we first really really got things going was uh, when I went to Florida. Right, and you talk about you know being able to talk people into the building. The two of you with the promos, and if you go back and watch some of them now, I mean, they still hold up because this is just two guys with an absolute gift of gab who can just really, you can run each other down, you know, you being the eternal heel, him being the baby face, and the two of you just playing so well off each other. But what you were just talking about in your story was about him also having that booking influence and what he could do creatively. So was there a good distinction between Dusty the booker, Dusty the wrestler, and then Dusty, you know, just the guy? I mean, he, he wore so many hats throughout the time that you guys wrestled and while, you know, he performed uh, in and out of the ring. Oh, oh, correct. Yeah, uh, he was uh, uh, all around. Uh, but he was, he, he was grounded. You know, his roots were, were wrestling. Um, uh, he was a natural. Uh, uh, everything he did was uh, was so easy uh, uh, in wrestling. Uh, he was just, uh, his booking and his, Finishes. Of course, he, he learned a lot of finishes from Eddie Graham. Eddie Graham was a genius at finishes, and um, uh, he, he learned a lot of his finishes from Eddie. And uh, uh, but his booking skills, uh, uh, he always uh, put business first. You know, he was never he was never uh, one to. Uh, you know, not uh, do a job, say, uh, or, or something uh, uh, out of uh, pride. Uh, uh, if you knew it was good for business, he'd he'd lay down, he'd lay down for you, you know. And uh, and so uh, uh, even even uh, uh, privately, uh, everything still everything revolves around wrestling. Uh, uh, for Dusty, he was. Uh, it was really in his bloodstream, you know, through his DNA, through his makeup, uh, to be involved in wrestling in, in some way or another. However, I wasn't that way. I, I, I didn't, I didn't have the real drive and the real focus. Uh, and uh, he, he was more committed to it than I was. I just took it as a having fun, making a living, enjoying what I was doing, and, uh, uh, you know, but Dusty took it very seriously, see. He, it, was, it was really, really business, and, uh, and of course, uh, uh, you know, he went on to, uh, you know, uh, to, once he left uh, Florida, went on to Charlotte to, to book up there, and, uh, uh, you know, so, uh, but, but his biggest, uh, his biggest thrill, uh, really was, uh, working with me in the garden, uh, uh, both gardens, Boston Garden and, uh, and the Madison Square Garden, of course, uh, uh, the, the bull rope match, bringing that to a Madison Square Garden and, uh, uh, Texas Death match, which is nothing more than a no DQ match. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it was a, you know, it was a good title. It was a very, and Dusty B for Texas was a Texas death match. So, so okay, so it's a glorified no DQ match. But uh, that was his biggest thrill was uh, uh, working in the garden. 
uh, and then selling out everything sold out. He was just so over, uh, so much charisma. It just, uh, you know, uh, it really, really, really turned the fans on. And uh, I know that Vince Senior, uh, who was, uh, uh, you know, called all the stuff at the time, uh, at, at that era, during that era, uh, he really accommodated Dusty going back and forth to Florida. Like in Boston, for example, uh, you know, we, the, the back then the main event went on like third, fourth, and, uh, uh, and, and Dusty, uh, would fly up from Florida in Boston when we work in the Boston Gardens and, uh, we arrived like at four o'clock his flight and, uh, get over to the building and, and we go on like third or fourth so so Dusty could get back to the airport and fly back to Tampa on the eleven o'clock last flight to Tampa out of Boston. Last <laughs> 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 turnaround from all the way from Florida to Boston uh and just being there for a few hours but uh uh, but of course, uh, uh, it is well worth it. And, uh, uh, uh but, uh, Vince, uh, senior and of course, junior, uh, loved, uh, Dusty brought so much excitement. Uh, I don't know. Uh, he just was so natural. You know, you, you look at, now we have to look at, uh, uh, you know, tapes. We have to look at, uh, you know, everything, uh, recorded. Uh, you can see it when you really watch him, you can see, uh, how natural he was uh nothing was forced everything was easy every everything seemed to come come naturally uh you know uh, uh with dusty so uh probably the uh without question the best uh baby face uh i ever i ever worked with um uh it was dusty, uh, no, no doubt about it. Um, that's high praise. You know. That's huge praise coming from you. I mean, that's a, there's there's no other way to put it because you know if you look at the grand scheme of things, you were the first real cool bad guy that people would really get into and see that you know you look a lot different than everybody else, and your promos are so much different than the uh, than the average you know bad guy that's just saying oh, I'm gonna you know, I'm gonna kill you, I'm gonna break your back, I'm gonna do this. You you really broke it down, but. You mentioned all those arenas, and you talk about Madison Square Garden and the Boston Garden and the Spectrum and the Capitol Center and the Pittsburgh Civic Arena and even down in Florida, the Fort Hesterly Armory. These are all buildings that not just the fans in it, but the buildings themselves played such a huge role. But did those fans kind of ever go 50-50 with maybe half wanting you to kind of get one up on Dusty, or was it always you were just the absolute hated bad guy and Dusty was the beloved babyface? Oh, uh, yeah, when it came right down to it, uh, uh, Dusty has so much charisma that, uh, uh, when it came, came down to it, uh, D Dusty and I, uh, one on one, uh, uh, uh I would, uh, it'd be completely, uh, I'd be a heel all the way, uh, because Dusty was just so charismatic and so lovable. And just so, uh, you know, his, uh, uh, he, he was so like approachable and, 
uh, he didn't have this air about him. And being that that great, great line, he was what was the son of a plumber, you know, uh, you know, so the common man, you know, could identify with him. And so uh, uh, when it came to Dusty and I, our matches, it was Dusty, 100% babyface, 100% heel, no blurring of the lines there, you know, because he was so over and so loved. Uh, he had a very unique, uh, very unique uh, uh, charisma, um, very natural. Uh, I was very natural also, uh, but... Um, uh, there was something about Dusty that was very, uh, uh, very unique. That, uh, of course, they had that little list where he talked, and he and uh, he, he he just was uh, so special. He couldn't be duplicated, you know. Really, um, I would say, yeah, by far. Uh, there's no question that he was. Uh, he would be the. Uh, the baby face, hands down, automatically, right away. Now, with you and Dusty, the first thing I think about with you guys is the feud in Florida and how many matches you guys had. And obviously, you know, you beat him for the world title and you guys had different matches and different feuds over many years in Florida. But just sticks out to me how many gimmick matches, like the tornado match, the lumberjack match, like you mentioned, Texas death match, Indian strap match. You guys were even having WWF world title matches in Florida. What was it like the scene down there with you and Big Dust in Florida? Because it was just an immense, huge, huge feud for that territory. Oh, yeah. I mean, uh, Dusty was a household name uh, down there. And, and um, Eddie Graham had gotten, uh, uh, you know, championship wrestling in Florida over television with that the great announcing of Gordon Sully, you know, uh, that such such a professional uh, that uh, uh, and Eddie uh, Eddie Graham had gotten his television, gotten the product over uh, so well that uh, uh, Dusty was uh, the household name uh, uh, without question that. Um, you know, uh, I, there there was nobody more over in Florida than Dusty. You know, uh, and uh, of course our matches, uh, any kind of a match he would come up with uh, would uh, would work. You know, and uh, it seemed to be uh, also he had he had this thing about blood. You know. Dusty, uh, it was a, it was like a, uh, it was like a, uh, the thing when I first got to Florida, the first time this thing was when you when you go to Florida, you gotta you gotta bring, be prepared to be on the road a lot, do a lot of traveling, but also uh, be be prepared to bleed, be prepared, bring a lot of blades, you know. Because Dusty uh, believed in blood, you know, and uh, so uh, there was there was a lot of uh, uh, blood in the matches, 
um, never used to stop a match because of too much bleeding. Because <laughs> there was always a lot of blood. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I I was I was in a match with 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 Backlund uh, with he after he took the title from me and, and I was uh, and Girl Monsoon was a special referee and uh, I Vince uh, Senior uh, the finish finishes the match and we're talking about blood uh, the finishes the match was Backlund had to get blood and. The finish was Gorilla Monsoon was going to stop the match because of too much blood, you know. Well, to stop the match because of too much blood and Madison Square Garden, you really better have a lot of blood, <laughs> you know. And the catch was uh, Backlund had never done a blade job up to that point, okay? And Vince told me. He said, Billy, you're going to have to cut back to his head. <laughs> hmm. Oh, my God. And so, so on Soon uh, was like a special referee and wore a white, you know, white short sleeve, buttoned-up shirt, you know, with a bow tie. Uh, so he gets some blood on him. And uh, I remember having a, a two-back one outside, and he went down to the floor, I went out out after him, and I had to cut his head. And uh, oh my God, it's such a creepy feeling to run a razor blade across somebody's head. It, it was different from your own head, but it was like I could never stab anybody. <laughs> I, hmm. I I do that. I could never stab. Oh my God, such a creepy feeling, and. And we came back up, and when the blood monsoon says there's not enough blood, you gotta cut his head again. My oh god, and throw him outside the ring again, go down, cut his head, so I laid him open, uh, and it just turned my stomach. It was a horrible feeling. We got back in the ring, and uh, uh, and uh, <laughs> and we went ahead, and uh, uh, you know, gorilla monsoon got in between us, and Got blood all over his white, uh, white, you know, uh, referee shirt, solid white. So the blood would show up, and uh, got uh, Bobby pretty bloody. So it was uh, enough to stop the match, but it really wasn't because Dusty and I had already had blood baths in that ring, you know, and so uh, with a bull rope match and uh, Texas Death Match and all that. And so they, those fans didn't really see a lot of blood, you know. Uh, but uh, that was the pretty. So anyway, uh, Dusty, uh, Dusty believed in, in blood uh, for, for finishes. Uh, and during during uh, the match, you know, he... Uh, and then, of course, he got into, I don't know, those barbed wire matches. Uh, and he started cutting his shoulder. Mm. You saw scars on his shoulder? Oh, yeah. Yep. Yeah. You know, those are like the ring ropes. They put up barbed wire. And I went, oh, my God. You got to be crazy to do You know, uh, uh, barbed wire matches. Like, God, that was... But he he really... uh, You know, you had to to have a blade. You had to have plenty of blades... uh, 
when you uh, went to Florida. But uh, Dusty uh, was extremely, uh, uh, he lived, lived for the business and uh, uh, dedicated totally uh, and very brilliant, uh, like I said, with finishes and booking and total control. You know, he, he would have total control over what he was doing. Uh, so, uh, uh, you knew who was in charge and, uh, it wasn't, uh, he was in charge in a very respectful way, you know, uh, down to the, to the opening, opening match. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Yes. And I'm always thinking of, of old school guys like you and Dusty and, you know, you mentioned that he's, he's saying, you know, make, make sure you bring your blades, stuff like that. But. Is there any communication of, of what you guys are going to do before you go out in the ring? Like, you know, nowadays, they always say, oh, the guys go over the match at the time. Do you guys do that, or is everything called out in the ring? You want to be spontaneous. Were you and Dusty just, you know, just calling it out in the ring, so to speak? Oh, uh, a lot of it was because there was nothing very scientific about our stuff. But, of course, we always sat together and went over the finish step by step, you know, and, uh, and kind of just uh, laid out, you know, uh, the groundwork uh, for, uh, for the match, but nothing in real detail other than log all the ring first, being a heel, you know, like the pamphlet, like all the, all the towns I'm working with Dusty, with anybody else really was a heel. And, uh, you know, I'll get, on, I'll get on the bike, I'll get some heat, and then I'll call you out, and then uh, here you come, and then you in the ring, and then I'll, uh, I'll take a walk and, and sprawl around with me 15 minutes before we touch each other, you know. And uh, it's, it's simple stuff like that, but, but uh, uh, because all the matches were pretty much the same format, you know, it was nothing, nothing really scientific going on. It was really a really a, an amazing uh, feature of Dusty's wrestling and working ability is that he could go from a uh, just a fifteen minute brawl with me, uh, you know, uh, just stomp, kick, uh, you know, very basic hold now and then, but mostly just kick, punch, you know, uh, uh, stuff like that, very elementary uh, stuff. Two, from there, he could go and do an hour match with Ric Flair, you know. So he was extremely versatile. Uh, And you know, he did from going from just, you know, a street fight basically with me to getting in there and having to go a full hour with Rick Flair and actually get some real wrestling done and perform uh, was a real compliment to Dusty's skills, you know. And I hated going an hour. I had to go an hour with Harley in the Rose Bowl, you know, or that belt versus belt. A match, and I tried to I tried to talk 
Ben Senior out of it. He he was there. Eddie Graham, of course. Carl Monsoon was a referee, and uh, Harley uh, and I. Uh, we were talking. I said, I said, man, you know, and it was raining off and on outside the Orange Bowl. I said, I said, there's no reason for me and Harley to go an hour, an hour. You know, we could, it's a two out of three match. So I said, we can get this thing done in 30 minutes and everybody will go home happy, you know. <laughs> exactly. Yep. Yeah. There was some mentality, uh, NWA hour match mentality. Uh, and of course, I was used to going at a faster pace and, as soon as the bell rang, I got going, and Harley, the first thing Harley told me in that match uh, in the Orange Bowl was, uh, was Billy, slow down, you know. And I said, yeah, you're right. We've got an hour to go, don't we? <laughs> yeah, we do. <laughs> slow down. So I had to slow down, and, 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 and the rain, it was raining, and ring was wet, it was slippery, and, you know, and I said, man, we got to do this for a whole hour, and I just, of course, I didn't believe in hour matches, I thought, you know, I, uh, I don't know, that was the NWA thing, I mean, there, there were never really any, uh, I don't think any real hour matches, yeah, WWF, uh, when I was there anyway, uh, you know, just it just wasn't the big man's territory anyway. But and you know, you, you don't want to go an hour in Madison Square Garden with Dusty Rhodes. You know, man, there's all the excitement coming out, and you know, all the dancing, Dusty doing the rope dope, and you know, so much uh, going on. Uh, so, uh, but, but, but Dusty was able to adapt. That's what I'm, I'm saying. His, his ability to adapt from a 15 minute street fight with me, basically, with maybe a headlock thrown in to an hour with Rick Flair, who could really wrestle. You know, uh, really, you, you gotta give, uh, Dusty his dues there, you know, as a, as a, being able to uh, to pull that off, you know. Absolutely, he was so good. Like you said, so adaptable. He had great ability. He could brawl. He could wrestle. He could definitely do it all. As far as you versus Dusty, is there a favorite match or maybe a couple favorite matches that stick out? I know you had a ton of matches with Dusty. I mean, probably hundreds. But is there some that stick out? Maybe the MSG matches, or maybe one of the crazy, um, you know, death matches in Florida. Oh, uh, not so much in Florida, but in the garden. Uh, uh, Madison Garden, um, of course, is the Bull Roll match, and then the Texas Death match. Uh, those were, you know, because the the New York fans, you know, Dusty just was a door is immediately you know they just uh, they they love the man 
and these matches were like this is a first in Madison Square Garden, a bull rope match? Are you serious? You know, where Florida has seen them over and over and over again. So now you got, instead of maybe five or 6,000 people at uh, in Tampa or 6,000 people in Miami, you got 22,000 people in Madison Square Garden. You know, then you got the underneath, they used to call it the Felt Forum. And that closed circuit TV held about 5,000 people underneath. So, you know, you got, you know, 20, 20, 25,000 people. So, uh, uh, you know, way to see. And then, of course, the promos, as soon as they announced it, as soon as they announced it, they announced that bull rope match. Uh, it had, had them sold out. The next day, all the tickets were gone. In two days, the garden was sold out a month before that thing happened. As soon as they announced that thing, uh, uh, Dusty Rose bull rope, and he brought the bull rope out, had his bag, brought it out. New York fans saw that and just freaked out. And, and during an admission, they sold, you know, half the tickets for the next show during the intermission for the bull rope. Hmm. <laughs> you know, and then bingo, the next couple of days, the whole thing was sold out. So we had, you know, Every four weeks, every three to four weeks, the show in the garden. So we had, you know, our promos. The thing was already sold out, so we just, you know, our promos were so, uh, you know, were not even necessary, but uh, uh, very entertaining. So, so yeah, it was it was definitely uh, uh, working with Dusty in, in New York, in Boston, and those places. Um, uh, Spectrum, uh, uh, East Coast was a much bigger deal than working with Dusty in Florida. Uh, even though, even though my first time working with Dusty all over Florida, people really popped. It was a, it was a big deal, you know. So we got a tremendous response and did a great business, but still it, it didn't compare to, uh, uh WWF territory you know absolutely and i feel like anytime you and dusty get together it's definitely a big deal florida for sure east coast oh my god yeah i mean that that's such two huge names i could draw people in just by you know with the promos or just by the name on on the on the scoreboard if you will or on the headline as soon as people see those two names definitely gonna draw people do you think, Dusty, I know you wrestled, obviously, the Harley races, the Backlands, the Bruno San Martinos. Do you think Dusty would rank as your favorite opponent? Oh, by far. Oh, yeah, 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 of course. Yeah, by far my favorite opponent um, uh, because they had so much charisma. And uh, Dusty also loved New York, okay? Not only working in the guard, of course, but it was when... I think it was, what was it called? Uh, Studio 54? Just, uh, was that the name of that famous? Oh, yes. yes. <laughs> yep. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. All the the Disco Ranger, Studio Fifty Four, and uh, and and that was that was he had uh, uh, to to get into uh, Studio Fifty Four, you know, uh, after uh, uh, any uh, any show uh, near New York, and uh, so he loved. He he loved Manhattan. He loved New York. He loved it, and uh, it's really funny because I I worked with Dusty in Binghamton, New York. Okay, and I don't know how it happened, but he got stuck without a ride from Manhattan up to Binghamton, and I said, "Well, brother, I'll just pick you up, you know, right in the corner of Fifty Fourth and." Whatever, with, with, with you know, a hundred thousand people, brother, you jump my car and you ride up with me and I'll drop you off a couple blocks away. And you, you, and you get the cab over, you know, then I'll take you and I'll bring you back. And so I, I, I picked up Dusty at the corner of some street in Manhattan full of people, thousands of people, and and uh, his, his wife uh, 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 was with him, and, uh, and she was going to go shopping. And, uh, uh, and so Dusty, uh, I saw him, and I pulled over, saying, hey, Dust. And, uh, and so as he was getting in the car about, oh, four or five wrestling fans. <laughs> and he said, hey. You get in the car with Superstar Billy Graham. What's going on? He said, oh, brother, I said, hey, man. I said, he needs a ride. Well, I got to wrestle this guy tonight. He needs a ride. I got to give him a ride. They said, oh, that's cool. That's cool. <laughs> the wrestling fans, man. Guys <laughs> buy tickets to watch his wrestle. They love to see his ride together, you know. So, uh, but I actually wrestled Dusty, uh, you know, in. In towns like Wooster and uh, Binghamton, and you know some other uh, other towns like that, smaller towns that uh, just were thrilled to have them to have that match, you know. Uh, but yeah, he uh, there, there was no comparison. That was his favorite, uh, uh, and my favorite time working with Dusty was New York because. They're just so over, just so over, and it was just, you know, so easy, you know, and um, uh, even, I, I think, uh, except my first return match of Bruno, after I beat Bruno, and our first return match in the Garden against Bruno, it was really, really, really a lot of a lot of noise, a lot of pandemonium. Um, but I think, uh, other than that particular time, I actually think that Dusty uh, got a bigger, uh, uh, stronger reaction uh, with his uh, Texas Dispatch Bulldog match and stuff like that, and him personally than uh, Bruno did. At the time, well, because Bruno was he was tired and he and it was the you know pretty much the end of his run. So, but that didn't diminish the, the love the fans had for him, you know. But uh, I think.
to come. You know, in uh, in popularity. Oh yeah, big dust was uh, was over everywhere. Not to, to downplay Bruno, because obviously Bruno uh, was of mythical portions in New York. But Dusty just kind of shows you what a what a star he was nationally. That he can go to Florida and be over. He can go to Georgia and be over. Go to Charlotte and be over. And you know, go all the way up to New York, where supposedly that's not his bread and butter, and supposedly he's a Southern guy, right? And then he can go up to New York and be so over. It just goes to show you Dusty's popularity was more of a nationwide thing than just a Southern thing. Oh, oh yeah, without a doubt. Uh, yeah, yeah, without a doubt. There, he had no borders. Uh, his popularity, uh, uh, of course, uh, uh, Florida. You know, they, they, you know, spent some time there, and, and uh, uh, the Carolinas as well, but. Um, uh, no, it didn't matter where he went. He was just so charismatic that it was just automatic that you were going to get a thrill when you saw uh, the American Bay Dusty Rhodes uh, come out there and uh, start bouncing around, throwing jabs, and uh, bouncing off the ropes like uh, uh, Muhammad Ali and... Uh, I mean, he was just so charismatic that, yeah, there there were no uh, there were no boundaries uh, for him. No, you know, there was no place that you know he wasn't over. You know, but I I know that he uh, his fondness for the actual city of Manhattan, you know, and New York, uh, and everything that that was his favorite uh, uh, favorite time. Uh, plus being in the garden. And uh, and everything, uh, and then um, uh, he also really enjoyed Boston. Boston Boston fans loved him. Boston Garden fans loved him. Spectrum same way. Philadelphia same thing. You know. Uh, but uh, yeah, he he uh, uh, he was uh, one of a kind, and uh, he also, like I said, he he actually had a real love for the business. Um, you know, uh, and a real insight to running the business, you know, as a booker, as a matchmaker, as whatever, business-wise, you know, then he ended up, you know, working for Vince in the offices up there. So he had tremendous input, and, um, and so he had tremendous love uh, love for the business, um, and um, uh, you know he was just uh, such a natural at it. And um, uh, I don't know, um, is that is it? Think of Dusty as son Cody. Is that is that is that thing he's doing uh, in September? That all the end of it is that that thing sold out? Did I read right that that thing was already sold out? Oh yeah. Ten thousand people, sir. Yeah, in Chicago. Yep. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, Cody must have some of that dusty blood in him, right? I mean, the, the genes must uh, must flow down yeah. pretty well. He's able to run that show and do that. Oh my God! Yes, yeah, it's absolutely amazing. And um, uh, I, I I bet Cody once when um, 
He was still with uh, WWE when it came to Phoenix, and uh, uh, he was with SmackDown, and uh, it was uh, uh, the um, house show. Actually, it wasn't a TV taping, but um, uh, but uh, it might have been. I can't remember because I, I, uh, Triple H asked me to come down and do some interviews for their uh, 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 you know WWE. Uh, uh, files, you know, uh, of old. Talk about gorgeous drawers. I didn't know gorgeous drawers, you know. <laughs> but that was one of the questions. What I think about gorgeous drawers? I, said, I don't know. I didn't know him, but he was pretty ahead of the time, you know. But uh, I remember um, Cody uh, when he when he did the uh, the Stardust thing, you know. Was that what it was? Start. Yeah, he was called Stardust very briefly. Yep. Yeah, yeah, Stardust, and it and it was acting that real weird uh, personality, and and um, you know, it just didn't seem like it was him, and um, uh, I kind of felt sorry for the kid, really, uh, but. Seems like now that he's gone out uh, on his own, that like us, he's doing very well. And um, uh, to have this thing uh, sold out uh, is, is quite amazing. Um, it, it really is. So uh, he's got he's got his dad's blood in him. You know, there you go, promoter, wrestler, Max Becker. Yeah, very ambitious, you know. very ambitious, just like uh, like his dad, and very creative, you know, in a way, just like uh, also his brother Dustin. But uh, the relationship with du Dusty, right before you went back to Vince in the in, in 1986, 1987, and you were finishing up in Crockett, Dusty was really fighting pretty hard against the WWF at that point and coming up with a lot of innovative things like we all know Starcade and we know events like the Great American Bash and, and the War Games and all that stuff. Had Dusty changed at all by the time you re-kind of connected with him back in the mid-80s? Oh, I remember that period. Yeah. Uh, there, there, uh, I did not... Uh, uh, when I went in uh, to Charlotte when Dusty was running things there, and he was coming up with all this stuff. I, I did not fit uh, in up there. It just didn't didn't click for me. And uh, um, I don't know. There was something something that happened uh, to Dusty and I's relationship uh, during that period of time. And I just well, for one thing. For one thing, uh, uh, you know, coming into the hill and uh, teaming with the Barbarian, which I really, really love. Barbarian was fantastic, but we also we had Paul Jones as our manager, you know, and then um, so that cut down way down on any promo time I might have. You know what I mean? Having Paul Jones uh, as uh, the the speaker, basically. Uh, uh, so. Uh, I kind of, I kind of uh, had an issue with that, but I just, it just, I just didn't gel. I, I just, it just didn't work for me up there. And uh, I had a, uh, they took me babyface, and then uh, 
I was it still wasn't working, and then the, doesn't he have me uh, booked on like a lumberjack match against a barbarian in, in one of the one of the towns, and uh, I only went like five minutes. Doesn't <laughs> 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 he wasn't there, but of course they heard about it. He heard about it, and he, you know my heart just wasn't in it, you know. Yeah, I, I knew I was getting ready to leave. I went about five or six minutes, uh, you know, in a lumberjack with Ashton Barbarians in this town, and, uh, and Dusty rightfully so got pissed off. <laughs> and, <laughs> and so finally, one night, uh, not there, not long after, uh, I just told him, I said, it's just, I was scheduled to work against Kolop. I was booked to work against Kolop and Sancho. And uh, the baby face, and uh, I said, it's just not working out. You know, I need to leave. I need to leave. And so uh, that night, uh, he said, okay. He says, I said, I said, let me give you the two week notice, and I'll, I'll just be out of here, you know. And something happened to our relationship uh, at that at that time. Later, it got straightened out. Everything was cool. But uh, also, uh, and I didn't like Atlanta. And having to go to Atlanta TV and and the taping and uh, Ted Turner's uh, the building there, I just I just didn't fit in, and I was also, uh, you know, past my prime, and uh, it, it just it just wasn't uh, it it didn't it didn't work out, and um, and then. Um, so, but after I left, um, uh, uh, finally we got back to normal and everything was fine, you know. But that period of time, uh, he had he had changed, um, uh, but he was so um, innovative, like you say, with Starcade and bringing Ric Flair in in a helicopter. Oh my God, you know. And oh, I, I know what did it. What did it? Was Dusty had at that Starcade when uh, um, uh, uh, event when Flair when Rick came in in the helicopter, which was really very cool, uh, made his entrance to the ring uh, involved in the helicopter. Um, I was in a six man tag match. Uh, me and the Barbarian and somebody else against Sam Houston, Manny Fernandez, the Bull Manny Fernandez. And somebody else, and I had to, I had to drop the fall, and I and I and I had to drop the fall to Sam Houston. <laughs> yeah. No. Hey, there's a first time for I everything. <laughs> So I, when I when Dusty told me to finish in the in the in the locker room we're all around, I pulled Dusty off the side as a as a dust. Did I hear you right? I gotta I gotta do a job for Sam Houston. <laughs> I mean I like the kid and everything, but damn, you know. <laughs> he said, "Yeah, superstar. That's the way it goes, man." So <laughs> that was. That, that, that was a, the handwriting was on the wall right there. You know? <laughs> Without a doubt. Hey, and the third person on your team was Abdullah. So that's uh, 
that was the third person that you had on your team at the Great American Bash. But, I, you know, as I wrap it up here, I, I got to ask you this. And we've talked about Dusty and, and obviously the connections to you. But, you know, I think about you overall. And, yeah, we do link Dusty to you because, like you said, it maybe he is your greatest opponent. But just to turn it to you for one second here before we wrap up, when, when the, the book is closed on the superstar and professional wrestling has one huge database here we look back at, what do you want the fans to remember about the superstar Billy Graham? Is it the promos? Is it the innovation? Is it the look? Is it the, the whole package? Like, What do you want fans to remember about the superstar? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a very good question. Uh, I would say... I would say that uh, the impact I had and the influence I had with my look uh, when I came in uh, uh, to uh, start an AWA, of course, I really, really got caught by AWA, and then when I got to New York, and uh, and then uh, eventually, uh, you know, influencing uh, the Hulk and Jesse Ventura among many other guys, uh, is, uh, is uh, the biggest part of my legacy uh, would be that, that I had such a major uh, inspiration to those two guys who are, uh, uh, you know, uh, icons, you know, uh, Hulk being the biggest name ever in, in our business, you know, ever, I would say, uh, and, uh, and having inspired him and uh, also uh, Jesse Ventura, uh, uh, would would be uh, my biggest accomplishment, uh, uh, having that type of an impact uh, on the business, even more so than uh, being the champion, uh, uh, beating Bruno uh, and everything. Uh, all that considered, uh, having that type of an impact on the business to to uh, have that big of a in uh, uh, to uh, in- inspire those two characters in particular, household names. Those two guys, you know, so that would be it for me, I think. That's unbelievable. And again, it's been unbelievable to speak with you. You were really, you know, the first name that I heard of as I started to get into to wrestling in, in the mid, mid 80s, 86, 87. My uncle was a huge superstar Billy Graham fan, and, and I always heard the story. So when you came back to the WWF, that was uh, that was right when I started watching. So uh, the superstar and Chad go back a long way, whether you know it or not. But we want to thank you so much for coming on. And to give you a second here to kind of share your platform, I know you're very active on Facebook. Still, every time you say something to Superstar, people cause, it causes a stir and people kind of lose their minds sometimes taking things that you say out of context. But please, if the fans, <laughs> if the fans can get a hold of you, is, is Facebook the best way to uh, kind of reach out and touch the Superstar Billy Graham? Amen, brother. Absolutely. Yeah, check out my latest post about my... About my granddaughter, man. She's gonna be a she's gonna be a, a wrestler. Check it out. Check out my my latest post, brother. Thanks, guys, for having me on. Ladies and gentlemen, at this time, I'd like to present to you Mrs. Jim Crockett Sr. 
to make the presentation for this year's Tag Team Tournament Champions. And it gives me a great deal of pleasure to Dusty Rose and Nikita Kerstaff to present them with this cup. And this check for a million dollars. This is in memory of my late husband, Jim Crockett, the best ever. Thank you. Uh, it, took, it took me three years to get back on. What happened? I must not have done a good job the first time. <laughs> you came on so early in our run. I got to tell you, we were greenhorns back then, and we were just we were, we were we were walking on eggshells with you because you. I got to say, you were probably our our biggest get to date in 2015, and uh, we look back now and. Sometimes, I mean, as much as I love the content and all the questions we had, I can't listen to myself from back then, but uh, just so happy to have you back, especially for a big show like this. It's, uh, it's such a thrill, especially to talk about Dusty at great length like we're going to do here for a few minutes. No, I appreciate it. I, I'm just giving you a hard time. It, it's, it's a privilege to be back with you guys. Appreciate you having me back on. Oh, absolutely. So a little background on us as uh, we kind of explained it to you. I know John's probably told you. But we, uh, we had the distinction, also the unfortunate distinction, to have Dusty's last interview before he passed away, literally about 48 hours before he passed away in 2015. And every year we, oh, like, wow. yeah, every year we like to honor his memory and we like to dedicate one show to him around the time of his passing. And the last couple of years we, we talked to Magnum TA, we talked to Tully Blanchard, and we like to get people specifically who dealt with Dusty, not just on the professional and the personal level, but got to know him as more than just a wrestler, a booker, a man, just everything that encompassed Dusty. So we thought about you, and we really, we thought you'd be the perfect guest here. So I know it's uh, it's a hard thing to look back on, but it's already been three years since Dusty passed away. What are some of your reflections looking back since Dusty's passing? Well, you know, I, you know I've got a lot of, of course, great, a lot of great memories, uh, you know, with Dusty. Exactly what you're talking about. Um you know, getting to know him outside the wrestling ring or outside of the arena. You know, we we traveled a lot a lot together exclusively. Him and I at times, you know, and a lot of a lot of road trips behind the wheel. Um, kind of kind of the fun. I think a funny part of that is he. You know, I don't know if it, it's a reflection on my driving. I'm not sure now. That I think about it, but he always he always drove, or at least he did most of the time. And um, I think he felt more more secure being behind the wheel than he did with, with me behind the wheel. I'm not sure, but, <laughs> but, but that just kind of struck me just now. I remember that, but in, in some of our road travels, but great, great memories, great memories. Uh, there, there's so many cool things, especially with road trips from back in the day, because that was going to be the main means of travel for you guys of all the small towns and all the different stops that you had, especially during the Crockett days where you'd work a lot of small areas, a lot of spot shows, and that's where a lot of people got their education was in the car. So obviously, riding with a guy like Dusty, and especially what he had done in the business up to that point, what's kind of your role in the car? Are you listening to Dusty talk? Are you bouncing questions off of him? Like, what are you guys kind of throwing back and forth at each other? Um, I wouldn't say I wouldn't say so much. Uh, not at that really at that point in my career. I, now that was earlier on in my career. You know, driving up and down the road with 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 uh, Uncle Ivan and and. Uh, Don and Crusher and, you know, and, and those guys would, that would have been more of the conversation really for, at that point in my career as the superpowers, 
that was more on a casual side. I mean, we would occasionally talk some, some business, but uh, I'd say more than anything, it was more on the casual side of just by casual meaning on a personal level, just, you know, whether it's talking about the family or talking about sports, you know, favorite teams or, you know, that sort of thing. We used to, we bounced off uh, an idea back and forth numerous times, not only in the car driving, but also uh, when we would, when we got the private planes and we started flying, I always remember he and I would get the want ads of the USA Today and we'd always look at the land section and we always talked about, we never pulled the trigger on it, but we always talked about, you know, like buying, you know, couple hundred acres in Montana or Colorado or something together and you know one one day you know building the cabin and retiring there or at least having it you know as a as a as a haven to you know take a break or something we never pulled the trigger on that but we talked about it often oh, that's pretty cool that would be quite the uh, the, the the awesome uh, piece of uh, real estate negotiations to have uh, you and Dusty Looking across the uh, looking across the table from an agent, but what what was your first impression of Dusty when you guys first met? Obviously, when you came into the business, you know you had to basically learn by doing. And when Dusty was kind of in control at in Jim Crockett at that point in booking, what was your first impression of him when you got to the territory? Well, looking back, I always said he was a very brilliant man, and that, <laughs> this is not a pat on my back. Uh, it's kind of tongue in cheek I say that because. One of the first things he did is create an angle against me. It was an arm wrestling deal. Um, and, uh, you know, so, you know, kind of like me stepping in the ring with Ric Flair for the very first time when everyone thought I would destroy Ric Flair and win the World Heavyweight Belt at that first ever Great American Bash. Um, we did this, we did this arm wrestling angle. And, you know, I think, you know, people looking at the comparison between the two of us, you know, kind of thought, um, you know, I, I, you know, probably he didn't have a, he didn't have a chance, you know, although, you know, people respected his, you know, his ability in the ring as, as the fans are talking about. Um, so, you know, they were hopeful, but that was interesting. It was interesting to, to have that initial angle with him. And, and of course that led to quite a, quite a series of matches that he and I had. And then the opportunity to work with a legend like him. Uh, with all of that ring savvy knowledge that he had, essentially all I had to do was go to the ring, and it was like, it was just like a like a formal dance, you know. It, it was really like a almost like you might say a night off. It wasn't a uh, it wasn't it wasn't as much work as it could have been, and I attribute that to to uh, his many years of, of ring knowledge and education and psychology and savvy in the ring. So that's a great memory right there. Yeah, and you know, I don't know if fans are even realizing this as they're listening to the audio, but you got to look at it at, in the bare bones of it, folks. The Russian nightmare, the American dream. So we've got two complete parallels of each other on both sides of the law here, good and evil. So when you were the Russian nightmare, he's the American dream. Obviously, they saw some connection there, and you two were going to cross paths at some point, like you said, the arm wrestling match, but... You were almost like the perfect opponent for Dusty Rhodes at that point when you came in in 1984, 1985, and were so hot as a heel. The Russian nightmare really was the nightmare to the dream, and I guess that's how you guys ended up really being such a perfect fit for each other. 
Yeah, it, it's right. Correct. Yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, the, his persona of the quote American dream, you know, apple pie, you know, baseball, hot dogs, <laughs> you know, dusty roads, right? The American dream. And so to be able to, uh, kind of, kind of, kind of pair that, that scenario up with, you know, the, the epitome of evil, the, you know, the, the, the Russian commie, you know, still in an era of, of, uh, you know, uh, the patriotic era of, of, of hating the Russians, uh, especially for what they did and boycotting the, you know, the, the games in Los Angeles. Um, it just made, as you're saying, it just made perfect sense to, uh, to pair up the two of us and, and, and made for a natural angle. And then, of course, you know, fast, you know, we, there's never a lot of, a lot of different matches we had that we could talk about from bull rope matches to Russian chain matches to, uh, you know, just a variety of matches. But, um, and then fast forward and parlay that into the angle uh, of, of, of becoming the superpowers that nobody on the planet at the time ever even considered that to be a possibility, you know, that in and of itself, because of it being such an impossibility, got over in such a, an incredible way, uh, just amazing. Yeah, absolutely amazing. And uh, obviously preparing for the interview, I went back and watched that moment from October 1986. And still to this day, if you haven't seen it in a long time, I mean, you start to get into it to, you know, the, the whole build and the way the fans react to it. And I, we're going to get to that in a minute. I don't want to jump the gun. But I want to focus more on Dusty as, as a booker and being in the office and, and how much of your persona did Dusty have to do with? Did he kind of give you any tips on maybe some of the things you should do and you shouldn't do? And obviously you adapted to your role so well. And, and for years, people believed in the Nikita Koloff character and the person and not knowing where the Russian nightmare ended. And, and obviously, what was Dusty's role in kind of helping you at any point during the molding of the Nikita Koloff persona? Yeah, and again, because, you know, I was so early in my career and to have those matches against him, he, again, he was instrumental in, in, in offering, you know, certain suggestions, especially in, in, in the matches he and I would have against each other. Um, and then we would eventually, of course, have some tag matches, Ivan and I against uh, him and the Raging Bull and Manny Fernandez and, you know, for the world tag titles. And so again, now to go from having single matches and learning the old school art and psychology of the business to then having tag team matches and now beginning to learn the psychology of, of tag team wrestling uh, was only, uh, again, another valuable asset for me to catapult my career that much quicker and you know the whole russian nightmare thing really kind of came out of the uh the that that nickname kind of came out of the, the the matches against them you know hey american dream i'm gonna be your worst nightmare oh hello russian nightmare right you had the russian bear ivan koloff and then and then of course it, it just made sense and it was a natural to then go russian nightmare you know, American dream. Oh, okay. I get it. So it's so great. It's such a bygone era that, I mean, I, I wish it was going on right now. It was absolutely unbelievable. And for fans that start to discover it now for the first time, I mean, they're in for such a treat. 
and you see some of the other faces that we we looked at during that day. And obviously, we think of Magnum TA, who you know you have such a long storied rivalry with, and Dusty and Magnum's relationship, which we touched touched on with Magnum when we had him on to discuss Dusty. But kind of the two of them as a unit. What do you think of the the pairing of Magnum and Dusty as almost being really the two? You know, like you said, uh, you know, white meat. Uh, you know, American faces, the uh, the two guys that were leading the pack. You know, what did you think of the two of them kind of being a, a unit before, obviously, the superpowers was formed after Magnum's accident? Oh, they had great charisma with each other. And, 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 and again, it's kind of paralleled, in one sense, it kind of paralleled Ivan and I, right? Because the, the whole intent on bringing me in with Ivan was a, a younger guy, you know, Ivan was starting to, you know, kind of creep up there and, and to, you know, not towards the end of his career, but moving into the twilight or the latter part of his career. So I could come in, be a young buck, and kind of extend his career. And, and in one sense, Magnum was doing the same thing for Dusty, you know, young, good-looking guy, you know, America, again, American Pie, good-looking guy, um, you know, charisma with the fans, all, you know, all the girls loved him, his look, you know, the bushy mustache, the whole deal. And so that became uh, a formidable tag team in the ring for, for many of their opponents, uh, including, uh, you know, the matches that, that Ivan and I had with them as well. And so couldn't have been, I would say, you know, better, better chemistry offsetting two different styles of wrestling, but yet, gelled together with great chemistry. Now, obviously, with Magnum's accident, they put you, or Dusty put you and himself together. Did you think at the time that was kind of crazy, or did you kind of see the genius of Dusty saying, no, we're going to make you this huge baby face, and it's going to get over huge? At, the, at that time, did you think, like, wow, you know, he was right. You know, the, he, you know genius thinking, everything worked out the way he thought it would work out. Uh, well, there was... There was actually some uncertainty there. The, the conversation I had with him and Jim Crockett in Philadelphia at the Civic Center, remember that conversation vividly, even right now, um, thinking back on it, uh, just come back from Japan, a tour in Japan, you know, it took him some, actually took him some convincing of, of me to, that Magnum really had an accident. You know, wrestling's a work, right? I'm like, yeah, whatever, you guys are working me, you know? And they're like, no, like, like, you know, at some point, I'm like, okay, you guys are, like, serious. I'm like, so, like, you're, like, you're serious? Like, you, like, how bad, you know? No, he broke his neck. Like, he's done. He'd probably be paralyzed from, you know, neck down for the rest of his life. I'm like, wow. So that kind of took a minute to sink in first, if you kind of picture that. And, and then at some point, when that kind of settled, I guess, a little bit, you go, well, here's the deal, you know? It, it leaves a void yada yada and we've got an idea like okay and so they laid it out there and and they really said they go you know this has never been done before honestly we're really not even sure it will work we have a pretty good idea we think it will you know it was kind of really was kind of that approach and uh you know here it is they kind of laid it you know like do you have any initial thoughts? Um, you know, in, in my head, I'm like, man, I mean, you know, still really, honestly, you know what? I'm still at that point. I'm only about two and a half years in the business, if that. Just, you know, right, just barely, right? 
Mm-hmm. Yep. So I'm still, I'm still learning. And so I'm like, oh, you know, I guess. I mean, I don't know. Like, well, you, you know, take a day or two to think about it or whatever. And, you know, we'll circle back around. We'll talk again. So they didn't leave. They really, they left the decision up to me uh, as to whether or not I wanted to do it. And, uh, and I just thought it through and I thought, well, you know, Jim Crockett and his family have been in this business a long time. Dusty's been in this business for quite a while, has a lot of experience. You know, if they think it'll work, then, you know, what the heck, we might as well give it a shot. So, there you go. Now, you had some big shoes to fill because at, at this point, obviously, you're, you're being the guy that's or basically, you know, you're replacing Magnum, but you are also getting a, a you know a big push up the card, and obviously you face Flair at Starcade '86 for the NWA title. But the two Starcades before that, Dusty versus Flair in '84, Dusty versus Flair in '85. So you have some big shoes to fill as far as being Flair's opponent. Did any of that ever cross your mind? You know, thinking you you know you you're not only replacing Magnum, but you're filling the shoes of Dusty, so to speak, as well as the next big star. Well, it created a lot of animosity, um, uh, which is not uncommon, which, which was not uncommon. I, I don't know how it is in today's world, but I, I'm, I'm certain there's still people, who, I would imagine guys still kind of jockey for positions, but uh, it created quite a bit of a- a- animosity in, in the sense that, still to this day, many people say it's the best kept secret in wrestling. I mean... Especially for in, at least in that era, you know, may, maybe prior to that, I suppose I don't know, but for sure that era um, couldn't do it now with the, with the internet and exposure and all that. Because um, nobody knew. No, no, there's only count them on one hand the number of people that knew I was going to be his quote mystery partner that night in Charlotte in the Charlotte Coliseum, and. So everyone kind of in their mind is like, who is it? Who is it? Who is it? Oh, maybe it's me. Maybe it's me. They just hadn't told me yet, you know? So the night I walked in and, and then at some point it finally kind of dawned on everybody why I was in that dressing room that I was the mystery guy. Um, that, that created, that created a, a, you know, kind of some animosity, not only that night, but even in the days and weeks time to follow, you know, I mean, it's just, it's kind of human nature, right? You know, the whole, as far as jealousy, that sort of thing. Um, and so I had to kind of overcome that really kind of thinking more about that in one sense than, than even how big the opportunity was, you know, it, it was like me guys, it was like me breaking into wrestling. I mean, to, to step into a wrestling office with no experience, no training, no background, and, and, and the next night being in a ring on television, wrestling on television, when I never even hit a ring roll, I overcame that hurdle. So this one wasn't, I'd say in a sense, as big a hurdle to overcome or maybe just kind of in the moment. I didn't, you know, maybe I, I knew it was a big opportunity, but maybe I wasn't thinking of it that way. Does that make sense? Am I making yep. sense that whole? Yep, Absolutely. 
So you think being with Dusty, obviously, hey, he was super over that. You know, that was those were his towns, if you will. You know, Charlotte's over huge, Baltimore, you know, all those places. He was over so big. You think it helped your career getting that rub from Dusty, being just associated with him, and then being his super partner? Excuse me, superpower partner, and, and and really getting that big rub from Big Dust. Oh, with no question. Hey guys, <laughs> you're riding around with the Booker. Uh, and the booker's driving. You're not even driving him. He's driving you. <laughs> Let that sink in for a minute. Now, you understand what I want to talk about animosity among the boys? Right? Oh, yeah. Okay, so, so without question, there's an elevated level of, uh, you know, you might say a, a status there. The fact that you're riding around with the booker, you know, in one sense you got the booker's ear, so to speak, right? Um, but I, but I will say, I mean, for the record, I mean, I, I didn't, I, I hope, I, and I think other guys would probably say, I, you know, that wasn't a pride thing for me. I don't believe it. In other words, I didn't take advantage of that. Like perhaps some maybe could, or maybe some would, or maybe some have in the past. Um, you know, I, I have, I feel a real level of respect with Dusty. Um, cause I didn't, in one sense, didn't treat him any, you know, any different, even, even though I know he was the booker, I mean, I had respect for him, but I wasn't, the best phrase I'll use is, I also wasn't brown-nosing him either. You understand what I'm saying? Yes. Um, I, I still respected him. I wanted him to respect me. And so, and I say, I have to say, some of those times we'd meet for the towns, and this wasn't intentional, just somehow it work out. I mean, I might be 10, 15 minutes late the meeting, you know, and where some, you know, would, maybe get rattled over that. Oh my gosh, I'm, I'm, I'm making the booker wait. You know, I'm like, hey, hey, dude, yo, dude, sorry, sorry, buddy. let's go, let's roll, you know. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> and, and so, there's no question, though, that, that being with him every day, day to day, for a couple years, didn't, again, help to catapult my career even that much further and, and be able to learn and glean from him and and him used me in, in uh, you know in different angles or different ways because um, he saw my desire to work hard and, and my willingness to work and excel at my craft. What do you think was the best advice he gave you? Whether it was kind of just not really advice, advice where it's almost in passing, or maybe something that he sat down and said, you know, listen, you know, th- you know, listen, Daddy, like this is the way it's got to be. What do you think would be some of his best advice that he gave you? <laughs> there's, there's two things that come to mind. Um, you know, I left the business at, at one point to take care of a dying wife. Right? I think that's pretty pretty well known with people, and maybe, maybe not. Maybe not some of the people, but, you know, I, I, I walked away, you know, at the peak of a, you know, at the main event, height of a career to take care of, of a dying wife. And but prior to stepping away, and I now I said for the I said I would be back. I told her, I said, look, I'll be back, but she's dying. I got to go take care of her. Um, but and but and prior to leaving, like I was maybe scheduled a main event match against Ric Flair in Greenwood, South Carolina, and I kind of figure out what time we you know we'd be going to the ring. Obviously, we're main event, so I might show up at nine o'clock that night when all the other guys had to get there at seven o'clock. And of course, you know he he took some heat over that. Because it's like, oh, you're showing him favoritism. Why, you know, why does he get to 
you know, walk in at nine, we got to be here at seven or six or five or whatever. Right. And, um, and I just wanted to spend as much time with my wife as I could, uh, even though knowing I had to go to work and I'm like, you know what, I'm still going to, I'm going to be there on time. I'll go to the ring. I'll work my, my tail off, uh, and give the fans a hundred percent of my effort. Uh, as well as as Rick and whoever else I'm in the ring with, so he did take some heat, some heat over that. The other thing that comes to mind, I kind of chuckle about, kind of, um, was it? It was kind of a well, I missed too though, because he would he would say he came to me a couple of times like, "Kid, kid, you're making my job hard, kid. You're making my job hard." <laughs> <laughs> You know, because, you know, because guys tell me, go, hey, why'd you get all that favor? You know, whatever. Um, but the other thing, and, and this other thing, though, was, was earlier on, and I was, I was hot. I was furious because I started figuring out, you know, I'm not a mathematician, and I, and I don't know the, all the actual numbers, but I started, something just, didn't seem to be, when I looked at the crowds, I could kind of estimate the crowds. Then back in those days, we were paid on whatever the gate was, right? However many people we put in the seats. So if it's a $10,000 house, we get, you know, we get whatever the percentage is of that, right? Uh, Whatever that is, whatever the promoter figures out. But there were times we get the figure and I'm like, Dude, these guys are like, this is back when I was with Ivan. I'm like, Ivan, these cats are like skimming from us, dude. They're like robbing us blind. He's like, "Uh, you know, it's okay, Nikki, it's okay. So finally, Dusty and I had a conversation about it. And I was just, I was furious. Dusty's promoters are robbing us blind. And and he told me a story when he was in Florida back in the days of Eddie Graham. and, And he walked through, he went through a very similar type scenario and 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 he said to me what the promoter said to him at that time he goes kid it's, it's just the way it is baby it's just the way it is <laughs> <laughs> and, and i'm like well that may be the way it is but that doesn't make it right <laughs> hmm. it'll be okay kid it'll be okay i'm like no yeah i mean i was mad but but to, to answer to your question that was one of those times where he's like, this is it's just the way it is. This is the business. It's the way it is. You know, and that was, guys, that was back before, obviously, all electronic tickets and internet, you know, you know, all, all, you know, all of that. I mean, it was ticket sales were at the local drugstore. You know, these promoters could essentially pocket however much they want. And you, who would know? You never know. Who would know? No, you, you never, you don't, you don't see the, it was all cash cow, right? Cash money coming in. Now, he is obviously larger than life, you know, one of the biggest legends ever in the history of the business, his persona. Everything about him was just, you know, definitely, you just simply say he was larger than life. But I wanted to uh, kind of bring it back to Crockett Cup 87 for a second, because obviously you guys end up winning the Jim Crockett Memorial Cup, and then obviously Uh defeated Luger and Tully in the finals. It was a very emotional moment with Magnum coming back. But do you feel like that was, you know, one of your best moments with Dusty? I know obviously Magnum played a role in that too, but do you, do you think that was one of your shining moments, especially with Dusty? Because, you know, you guys were on the front page of magazines. The crowd 
went absolutely wild. You know, they were just loving everything. It was a very emotional moment. You think that's one of your top moments, uh, especially teaming with Dusty? Yeah, I, I would say as far as my as far as my career with Dusty, um, no doubt that that would be that would be a highlight for sure. I mean, that was fun. I mean, you know, two day tournament in Baltimore. To this day, I tell people. I mean, I still remember spending those those you know few days there at the Inner Harbor. I tell people all the time, Baltimore fans were you know all fans that are the best on the planet. Definitely, Baltimore was ranked right up there as, as uh, some of the some of the greatest fans to wrestle in front of the, some of the most loyal fans and all that. And um, so that that's that's certainly a highlight. The other one, though, I, I would have to say, although it wasn't just he and I. Uh, you know, is it was the creation of the war games and, and he and I, you know, the superpowers and the road warriors and the war games against the full horsemen, um, were definitely a highlight as well. But the, but the Crockett Cup, yeah, that, that ranks up there. So great war games and such a great idea. Obviously, the brainchild of Dusty, such a innovative idea, especially at that time, and obviously. How could you house the horsemen and, you know, Dusty's superpowers and everything? It's just perfect the way you put it in a cage and all that blood. Do you have fond memories of war games, or is it one of those things where it was a brutal time? Because that is a brutal physical cage match. It was a very physical match, but it was one of the funnest matches I've ever been in. One of the most electrifying matches. I would say, especially, a very, especially the very first one, because nobody, we didn't know what to expect. Nobody knew what to anticipate, and and then the way the fans responded, and and but not only that, just the, the I mean, just the, the 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 atmosphere, the electricity in the arena, uh, was just I mean, uh, un, unheralded. I mean, we had, you know, certainly there's a lot of you know a lot of great matches, a lot of great you know euphoric type memories of different things, but, but that war game, especially that first one, I mean, they were all fun, but. Boy, that was uh, something to, to, to remember. Absolutely awesome feud. Obviously, feud of the year in 87, and you look back a bit. Obviously, there's so many things of your career, not just with Dusty, but your career, the insane blood feud against Magnum TA, the best of seven matches, the U.S. title, things like that always come to mind. But as far as Dusty and yourself, maybe it doesn't have to be war games per se, but do you have a favorite match that, that you were part of with Dusty outside of war games and outside of Crockett Cup? Maybe one that we don't even think of or, or maybe, you know, haven't even talked about? I mean, nothing, honestly, not, uh, nobody really flops with me because, you know, I just go back to the original arm wrestling angle that we did, uh, you know, that uh, certainly has fond uh, memories and just kind of set the tone of, Further set the tone for my career. Um, I mean, we had so many great matches. Well, okay, so I'll give you. I will give you one more. One more just popped in. Um, we had an eight-man tag team match in Landover, Maryland, against the Four Horsemen, and with the Road Warriors. What made that one kind of extra special was there were certain buildings that was in the height of the the. You know the 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 early stages of the head-to-head competition with WWF, and it was over the Fourth of July, kind of over that 
holiday weekend, and there were certain arenas we just couldn't get in because Vince had a lock on. Vince McMahon had a lock on. And the arenas just said, we're sorry, we got a, you know, basically an exclusive contract with him, and we, we can't let you in. And for whatever reason, the Landover, you know, where the Washington Caps at the time were playing, the Landover came open. And I don't know if he figured we just wouldn't draw a dime on, on you know, Fourth of July weekend or or what. I mean, that's kind of what I what I kind of heard. Right? Yeah. But he gave, gave us permission that. They gave, he gave them permission to let us in, the, you know, the, 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 at least the one time anyway. And I would tell you what, we were the main event. We put over 23,000 people in the building that night. And they never sat down from the opening bell to the final bell. And one by one, you know, we kind of pair up with whoever, you know, whether I was with Luger or something, or Dusty was with Tully or... You know, animal would be with Arn or whatever. Howard paired up, but those people never sat down from the opening bell to the finishing bell, and and we did a record gate that night at Landover, Maryland. And my understanding is when when uh, when this man got got that report he wasn't the happiest camper on the planet um <laughs> but we sure were <laughs> dusty was laughing all the way to the bank with that one now that's uh that's a great story but again like i said it's that bygone era and not only do we wish we could have dusty back again i wish that we could have that era of wrestling back because you guys were magic everything that i feel went on in that era was like you were seeing it for the first time and everything was just so absolutely magical but Nikita, as we get to start to to wrap it up here, you know, one thing I like to ask before we really get to your parting words on Dusty is, what do you think Dusty's legacy is on the wrestling business uh, when people look back at him? Is it that he was able to multitask and be a booker and a wrestler at the same time? Is it the contributions and the creations of stuff like the War Games or a Starcade or, or some of the innovations that he made as somebody in creative? Or is it just that he was the all-encompassing, you know, good guy to the fans, that everybody could love him, and he was the American dream in the eyes of the people who did love him? What would you say the legacy is of Dusty in the eyes of the fans of wrestling? I mean, you gave a pretty good summary right there. Uh, you know, uh, you know, my simple response would, to that would be all, all of the above. I mean, he made an indelible mark on, on the world of professional wrestling, uh, unlike few have ever done, uh, to be able to combine all of what he did together is um, really just really, for my estimation, not nothing short of, of phenomenal uh, to to be able to do to do everything he did for him to pull it all off, and uh, including his ability in the ring, you know, and uh, you know he wasn't he wasn't. Uh, some high flyer flipping over, flipping over top ropes, you know. But he didn't need to be. He had his own style. He had he had charisma, uh, both in the ring and in front of the camera. You know, when doing interviews and and still to this day, I had somebody the other day. Uh, you asked me a question before coming on air. Uh, I was in a church speaking in in a church, and Dusty's name came up, and 
and and they were just talking about you know his ability to reach out to the fans on every level, regardless of uh, of male or female, white, black, you know, brown. It it, it didn't matter. He had a certain appeal uh, to the fans, to the masses of fans across the board, um, and and uh, and so that's the way I, I like I'd like to remember him. Yeah, it's so great to always look back uh, on this episode specifically and dedicate it to him because. He reached out and touched so many people, and like I told you at the start of this, what he did for our show, he left us with parting words of, you know, in a year from now, you never know where you're going to be. And right after we had him on, obviously, things changed for us in a great way, and we will always, always be so thankful to the dream. And we see what's gone on with his sons. Obviously, Dustin has gone on to have a great career, and Cody is absolutely just dominating right now in the wrestling business and doing amazing things. But Nikita, to you. Just, you kind of summed it up, but just one last w- word here on Dusty. To you, what does Dusty mean as we reflect on this third anniversary? Well, I, I would, uh, again, I would just say uh, uh, nothing but the utmost respect for him. Uh, you know, ended up lo- you know, loving the man and, and his family. And, uh, you know, I didn't see him as, as often once I left the wrestling business, but uh, whenever we did see each other, it, it was a hug. It was an embrace. And it was in, 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 in parting. It was, you know, uh, just that we had a love for a, a kindred love for each other. Um, and then the times that, that I was able to, to spend with him or just on a very personal level, even after the years of, of wrestling, um, tell you this last story and as, as kind of the parting words, um, you know, I intentionally drove down to, uh, when this was back when he was in Marietta and he had his little wrestling school and he was running a few shows and, and, uh, drove down to take him out to lunch one day. And he goes, well, you know, what are you doing in Atlanta? I go, I was, uh, came to, came to take you to lunch. He goes, yeah, no, I know that, but I like, like, what else are you doing? He goes, I go, well, I'm going back home after lunch. He goes, hang on a minute. You got in your car, you drove from Charlotte, North Carolina down here to take me to lunch, and then you're going to turn around and drive, you know, several hours, whatever, four hours, whatever, back home. I go, yep. I goes, why would you do that? I go, because you're my friend. And I just wanted to spend some, some quality time with you, let you know that I care about you, let you know that I love you. I gave him a copy of my first book. It was called Breaking the Chains, a Handbook to Christian Living. And uh, a friend of mine who was in his camp uh, that, that day actually called me later and, and told me he went in his office and, and, and he locked himself in his office for several hours and believed he, he read the book, read the story, which one of, one of the great, greatest, uh, for me, one of the greatest compliments I could, uh, I could ever garner was uh, that, he, that he sat down and took the time to read it. Um, one of the most uh, honoring things for me. So that's kind of how I'll kind of leave it with you guys tonight. That's a great story. Thank you for sharing that so much. And yeah, you've written books and you've got some information out there. So Nikita, before we let you go, please share with the listeners of the two man power trip where they can find anything and everything going on in the world of Nikita Koloff. And if they can find some information on some of the stuff you've written, as well as some of the other things you have going on. I appreciate it guys so much for the opportunity and, of course, NikitaKolov.com has a lot of kind of 
some of my life story on there and a lot, a lot of photo galleries and different, different things that the fans would probably appreciate. Some of the different books, um, you, know, you can find them in different places. Uh, Amazon carry, does carry some of them. Uh, you know, they can reach out to me through my website. They can follow me on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, it's just the name Nikita Koloff, the number one behind it. That's, that's actually me. That's the real me. Nikita Koloff with the number one behind it. Not on Facebook a lot. I have a presence on there, have a fan page, but mainly I do Instagram and Twitter kind of daily, keep in contact with the fans and followers out there. And, uh, just very grateful. Even when I go out now, guys, doing autograph signings, we got a couple coming up later this year and, and just to meet all the fans and just be able to thank them for supporting me and supporting our business, uh, means so much to me. And I know it does to all the other wrestlers as well. And, and, and again, I appreciate, I appreciate you guys for the opportunity to share a little bit tonight. Oh, our pleasure. Thank you so much for coming back. Next time, it won't be three years. It'll be a little bit less, and it won't be uh, that much of a nightmare for us. We'll be happy to have you back. All right, guys. Well, God bless everybody out there tonight. God bless you guys. I appreciate you guys. Thanks for listening to the two-man power trip of wrestling. What the world is downloading.